The epistle lesson is a reading from Romans, the first chapter. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under, under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. O Lord, have mercy on us. We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. 
he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, the text for this morning's message is from the book of Isaiah, the seventh chapter, the Old Testament lesson, as you heard it read earlier in the service. But again, I want to highlight these words. The Lord said to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. This is our text. In the name of Jesus, who is our Lord Emmanuel, dear worshipers of him. Calvin of Calvin and Hobbes fame is outside with his coat on, and he's looking a tad disappointed. Calvin says, If I was in charge, we'd never see grass between October and May. And so Calvin looks up into the heavens and he says, On three, ready? One, two, three, snow! Nothing happens. And so he says, I said, snow! Come on, snow! And then he begins to stomp up and down. And he pounds his fists in the air, and with his mouth wide open, he growls, Okay then, don't snow. See what I, if I care. I like this weather. Let's have it forever. But then in the next box, Calvin is down on his hands and his knees, and he is, he is praying, and he is sincere. He's got this earnest expression on his face, and he prays, Please, snow, please, just a foot. Okay, maybe eight inches, that's all. Come on, maybe six inches. Six inches even, just about six. How about that? And then the next box. I'm waiting. Next frame. Calvin's running around in circles, and he's very angry, and he stops, and he's exhausted from his efforts, and Calvin looks up to the heavens and shouts, Do you want me to become an atheist? Do you want me to become an atheist? We're a people who want to be sure that the God we place our trust in exists. We want signs, we want proof that confirm our faith in Him. Stir up your power, O God, and come, we pray. And then when the Lord doesn't come in the manner that we expect, or when he seems to be silent to our prayers, do we find ourselves maybe being a little bit like Calvin, raising our fists and saying, do you want me to become an atheist? In our text for this morning, God's people are in a desperate need for a sign from the Lord, proof that God is with them in their time of crisis. And remarkably, through the prophet Isaiah, God asked King Ahaz to request a sign, 
A sign that will give Ahaz and the people of Judah the assurance that God is not only with them in their time of crisis, but that he will deliver them from it. But Ahaz declines the offer. And so the Lord gives a sign, one that reaches far beyond the immediate context. The sign that God gives to Ahaz and the people of Judah in the 8th century B.C. continues to assure God's care and presence to his people today, to you and me, and for the years to come. The political context is this that surrounds our text. Ahaz is the ruler of Judah. And Ahaz was a cruel and corrupt politician. He murdered his own offspring in ritual sacrifice. He robbed the temple treasury so that he could buy the protection of the Assyrians, a country that makes our modern terrorist organizations look PG. You see, King Ahaz and the people of Judah now face two menacing foes in what is known as the Syro-Ephronite War of 734 B.C. King Rezan of Syria and King Pekah of Ephraim, the northern kingdom of Israel, mobilized their troops against Judah. And to Ahaz, the outcome looks really bleak. Ahaz and the people of Judah are terrified. In fact, in verse 2 of Isaiah 7, we read, Their hearts shook as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Would these powerful armies soon destroy them? How might Ahaz possibly defeat not just one, but two formidable opponents? It's under this circumstance, or these circumstances, that God sends the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz. And Isaiah's message to Ahaz is simple. Keep calm and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart, he says in verse 4 of Isaiah 7. The Lord promises, it will not take place. It will not happen. God calls upon King Ahaz and the people of Judah to stand firm in their faith in him. Don't trust your fear. Don't trust military muscle. Don't trust those psychotic Assyrians. The Lord issues this warning. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. One might say, God is saying through the prophet Isaiah, trust in the Lord or tumble. Have faith or fall. But God doesn't stop there. The Lord literally promises to move heaven and earth if that is what it takes for this godless king Ahaz to trust in him. Name your sign, any sign, God says to Ahaz, and I'll do it. But incredibly, Ahaz closes his eyes, he closes his heart, he closes his soul, and he says, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Ahaz's response sounds so pious. When it's really the response of a hardcore unbeliever. Ahaz wants nothing to do with the Lord. Ahaz sizes up his options. Superior forces are coming at him from all directions. He knows that his enemies will squash his population, kill him, and stomp his land into waste. 
And Ahaz rationalizes or reasons to himself, our only real choice, our really only human choice, is to ally ourselves with someone and to form an allegiance, an alliance with a military power stronger than Syria and Ephraim. That's the only conceivable hope we have. Ahaz would rather cut a deal with the devil than rely on the Lord Almighty. If Ahaz doesn't want a sign to reassure him in the there and then, then God will do one even better. God gives a sign for the ages, one that reassures his people in each and his own here and now. God's sign of his love and his faithfulness and protection for King Ahaz and the people of Judah is the same sign for us today. Isaiah announces, Listen now, O house of David. Listen now, O house of St. James. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And you will call his name Emmanuel. The sign given to Ahaz and us is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, as we heard in the gospel reading for this morning. The Virgin Mary's womb is the swaddling cloth or the swaddling clothes for God's Son for the first nine months that he spent in her womb. Jesus is God in the flesh, he is our Lord Emmanuel. God came down from heaven to dwell with us. Incomprehensible. Totally defies human reason. And yet it is true. The sign of God for us today. And we need this sign. We need this sign of Isaiah 7, 14. For we often have our own formidable foes that cause us to question the Lord's methodologies. To doubt the presence of God. To trust in the answers of man as opposed to trusting in the ways of the Lord. To act in ways as though God himself does not exist. That we might even find ourselves despairing as though there is no hope. I mean, how often have we resigned ourselves to the inevitable, or what we think is the inevitable, because we think there is no hope? How often have we been disappointed in that our prayers have gone unanswered, at least according to the way we had hoped that they would be answered? How often have we stumbled and fallen over the same sin, even after pleading with God to change us, and then we fret that maybe our sin places us outside of God's favor? At such times, do we not find ourselves being a little bit like Calvin? Lord, do you want me to become an atheist? We need a sign. We want a tangible sign, a signal that God loves us despite our sin. We want a sign that God forgives us. We want a sign that shows us that God has not abandoned us. And Jesus is that sign. He is the Lord Emmanuel. He's the yes 
to the promises that God has made to us in His Word. Jesus is the proof of God's friendship with us. Jesus is the guarantee of God's forgiveness for our every sin. Jesus is the confirmation, the amen, of God's faithfulness to us until the very end. Chad Bird, an Old Testament exegete, scholar, commenting on the virgin birth says this, The virgin birth is really the same old story just told in a fresh and even more miraculous way. Abraham and Sarah couldn't conceive the promised son because they were too old, so God conceived the hope named Isaac in them in an extraordinary way. As it was for Abraham and Sarah, so it was for Isaac and Rebekah, and for Samuel's parents, and for Samson's parents, and John the Baptist's parents. Into wombs that seemed unable to conceive, God caused conception to occur by the power of his vivifying word. All God wanted was for his people to live by faith in that word, which speaks life into death, light into darkness, hope into despair, and a child into a womb that one would never expect to swaddle life. Yes, God placed life into a womb. And not just any ordinary life, the life of his own only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And because God gave us this sign and fulfilled it in Jesus, our hearts can be at peace. For I can assure you, because of the sign of Isaiah 7.14, that God loves us that God forgives us, that God is our Lord Emmanuel. He is always with us. And God takes care of us and he helps us make it through this often very difficult life. Jesus is the sign that all of these things are so. And God's word promises us that it is so. God doesn't want us to be or anyone to be an agnostic or an atheist or to live our lives as though God doesn't really exist. And that's why he has given us this wondrous sign. The child conceived and growing in that pregnant mama named Mary is God with us. God with us. He is God for us. He is God who will keep us according to his promises. May this miraculous sign lead you to not only celebrate Christ's birth in a couple days, but may you offer up your life, your allegiance, until he comes and calls you home. It's in the name of Jesus, our Lord Emmanuel, that we live our life confidently. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.